last sermon series, we talked a lot about that each other, right? And we're still going to talk about that. But today, I want to talk about the world. You see, God has the world on his heart. And every congregation, every local church, is, I'm not saying this is a mouthful, is a world mission strategy center to share his heart with the world. Listen, how are they going to catch the heartbeat of God unless somebody is sent to them and goes? How will they know the heart of God who beats for the people of this world and our communities unless somebody's heart also beats with that same passion and love? And I want you to listen to this. God can impact the world through one tiny local church that will be obedient to the Great Commission. Let me say that again. Let me say it again. God can impact the world through one tiny local church that will be obedient to the Great Commission. Listen, you cannot be in a relationship with Jesus and not be on mission. You cannot be on a relationship with Jesus if you're not on mission with him. It's the heartbeat of God is his mission. See, when we're faithful in here, he will launch us out there to be the change to the world. We'll be launched to be change. Remember, some of you might remember this from the other series, a healthy body equals a healthy what? Mission. If we love each other in here, the world will see that we're his disciples. But let me add to that, a healthy body plus healthy disciples equals healthy mission. Guys, we're here to make a difference for all eternity. You see, this is a short life. It's not gonna last very long, but eternity lasts forever. And that's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's why God has called you by name is to make a difference for eternity. I don't know about you. I wanna make a difference. I want our church to make a difference for eternity. I want my life at the end of the day, said Jesus, your sacrifice for me meant something. It meant that I surrendered my life and Holy Spirit, you used me to impact somebody or a people group or somewhere or somehow for eternity. That's why we're here. And I believe that God builds the body to match the assignment. Uh, the assignment. We have everything we need to accomplish the vision. They may not be here yet, but God will accomplish this big vision we have at TBA to make a difference for all eternity. See, I believe this. Here's the key to making a difference for all eternity. Healthy disciples. So how can a ragtag bunch of followers of Christ at TBA change the world because it's a big job. And I believe we can. Call us a tiny church, but I believe with the power of the Holy Spirit and a God-sized faith, we can do impossible things. We sung about it. Let's walk into it. Matthew 9, 35, because the disciples were one and the same thing. But let's turn to Matthew 9, if you have your Bible or your app on your phone. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, I love when Jesus looks at us. I love when he looks at the crowds. Listen to Jesus. He looks out at this vast crowd and he had compassion on them. Jesus' eyes looking out at the crowd because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37, and this is what I want you to start to hang on. Then he said to his disciples, remember his disciples are looking at this vast crowd. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, 
ask or pray. It's interchangeable, same thing in the Greek. Ask or pray to the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want you to imagine right now just a huge harvest field. It's busting out. Wheat is just coming out. It's ready to be picked. It's ready for the sickle to come down. It's ready. But this job is huge. And to tackle it by yourself or just a few others is overwhelming. And the disciples look out at those crowds. And if I'm a disciple, they're thinking this. Okay, Lord, we're catching your spiritual metaphor here. But there's no way we can do this. The job is too big. And Peter's probably like, look, Lord, kind of signals him over and says, look, you're the Lord of the harvest. Can we just like zap it with your power and boom, it's done. It's your harvest. Go, Lord. Why do you need to empower workers? Why do you need disciples, Lord? It's your work, but Jesus never zaps it. And there's two reasons for that. And here's two kingdom synergy principles. God always works through people together. God always works through people together and he always works through prayer. Now I'm gonna say something that totally sounds like it's gonna contradict that. But God's work is accomplished in spite of our participation. What do I mean by that? You're like, Brian, you just said that that God works through workers and he works through people together. This is what I mean. Yes, God's work is done through people But God's plan is going to work and go forward whether he does it through us here at TVA or somewhere else. God is searching for eyes all over this earth looking for people who are truly committed to him. Will this be the place that God can touch the world? Do we believe he can take a tiny church, a church of 450 and do amazing things? See, the key is that we say yes and obey him. I don't know about you, but I want him to do his work through us. Lord, don't pass us by when Jesus is going through the villages. Not everybody gets healed. Not everybody gets saved. Many are pressing into him, but it's only a few that says, don't pass us by. Lord, use us, send us. We're here for you. Here's the deal. If you know anything about harvesting, there's a problem. It's a time sensitive problem. If you know about how the harvest and the wheat is in season, that's when you have to attack it, right? When it's in season, you don't just go willy-nilly into a harvest before it's all ready and start picking stuff. You wait till it's bursting, till it's ready. But see, Jesus, he says, there's a problem. It's a time-sensitive problem. Jesus said, and it's a good problem to have, that the spiritual harvest is now. And what he's showing us in this passage is there's people all over the world who are ripe and ready to accept Jesus. And I know you're like, look, our world's getting more evil. Things are going from bad to worse, it says in the scriptures. But Jesus says, look, in this period of time, right now, the spiritual harvest is here. There are people ready to accept Christ everywhere. Let's see like Jesus does. Let's see the world as Jesus does. See, the problem is not with the harvest. The problem is with the workers. The problem is not with the harvest, it's with the disciples. We are not disciples who make other disciples who go out and change the world. Think about it. What is the one thing Jesus authorized us to do? He could have authorized us to do a lot of things. Like, man, it'd be great if you authorized us to worship. We got that one. But what did Jesus authorize us to do? Go and make disciples. I give you my authority. Go, I authorize you. Go and make disciples. You see... If we seek to build a church, we may or may not get disciples. 
There's lots of people that build churches. They don't get disciples. But if you make disciples, if you build disciples, you always get the church. And when you get that church, they're ready to go out. They're ready to save lives. See, we tell people what they're saved from. Look, you're saved from hell so you can fill a padded seat. I like the whole padded seat thing because it feels like a padded thing, you know, because that's how most of us live as churchgoers. Man, I was saved from hell to sit in a padded seat. See, we tell people what they're saved from, but not what they're saved for. And Jesus authorizes this. Go. What you're saved for is to make disciples who make other disciples and who go into all the world. Listen, salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line. It's the starting line. Some hear discipleship and they hear anti-evangelism. Nothing can be further from the truth. Evangelism is part of making disciples. Listen, evangelism, evangelism is the starting line. But fully grow disciples is the objective. And God says go. Jesus says go. And it's urgent. It's urgent. In this passage, when Jesus says this, it's urgent. The Greek word for ask is interchangeable with pray. And in Greek, it's a forceful throwing out. Man, this harvest is ready. Go, pray, send out workers. Go into all the world. It's urgent that we produce disciples who are producing disciples who are going out. I want to give you this really long definition for discipleship, and then I'm going to add a little bit to it because I didn't get it all in. But I didn't make this up. This is quoted right here, and it says, discipleship is intentionally equipping believers. Now, this is important, with the Word of God. That's the only thing that will change is Holy Spirit and the Word of God changing. The Word of God is alive and active, but it's intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships empowered by who? Holy Spirit in order to, and this is the most important part of this whole thing, replicate. That replicate faithful followers of Christ. And here's what you need to add to it. Who go into all the world. Who go into all the world. They make disciples. They're disciple makers. That's who God's called us to be. You see, everything is predicated on disciples making disciples. On the workers being obedient and going and praying. Listen, you may think you're a disciple, but a disciple is always replicating themselves. Think about that. Remember Jesus' pattern of training his 12? How he taught them and how they would teach or they would go do ministry? Jesus said it was like this. They observed Jesus, right, in ministry. They watched him do the ministry. They watched him teach. Then they helped Jesus do the ministry. Then they did the ministry and Jesus helped them. And then we don't like this last part. Then Jesus left them. We don't like this last part. Because if I'm the disciples, I'm like, hey, it was just good and good. I'm, I'm finally understanding Jesus. What, you're leaving? He's like, yeah, I'm gonna give you a help or Holy Spirit. And you're gonna go into all the world and you're gonna do what I did. And you're gonna make disciples and you're gonna evangelize. Remember what I said, we tell people that what they're saved from, but not what they're saved for. We need to help people at TBA understand that we are saved to be disciples who make other disciples. God sent you to TBA sovereignly. Listen, you're not here by accident. So you can live out that four and find out what the four is. It's a whole different discipleship mentality. It's a different way of looking at things. Listen, if I, if I ask you, what does an apple tree produce? What do you guys say? I heard some of you say oranges and cherries. You're in the twilight zone. Apples, right? An apple tree produces apples. But if you ask an apple tree farmer, what does an apple tree produce? What do they say? 
An apple tree produces more apple trees that produce more apple trees. Do you see the difference in the mentality? It's the God of multiplication. That's how God always works. Remember the parables, 30, 60, 100 times. God is the God of multiplication when he thinks about this. This is how God sees. We need a different mentality to discipleship. Okay, so the problem is we need workers, disciples, but because the harvest is huge, the vision is big. So our plan here at TBA is to raise disciples who replicate themselves, who live sent to touch the community and the world with the gospel. So what I want you guys to do, I want you just to kind of hang back with me. I want you to dream with me. These are gonna be some things that we're praying about, some things we feel like maybe God's putting on our heart, but we need confirmation from the body of Christ. We need to come together in those family gathering to seek God's agenda and timing together. So because we believe so much in making disciples that if you want a church, make disciples, how do we get every church family member to become a disciple who's making disciples? That means not just getting them to accept Jesus, but becoming maturing followers of Christ who reach others for him. We know change happens when people are in the word of God consistently and are seeking to apply what they read. Listen, the word of God changes you. I can't press into that or say that enough. It's alive and active in you. And there's two essential discipleship paths here at this church, small groups and D groups. D groups are discipleship groups of three to five people together. So in the fall, we want you to be praying and dreaming with us. What if in the fall that we got everybody in the word of God? So we're gonna do what's called F26, 260 challenge, where you will read three chapters daily and then we will preach from that week's reading. So imagine our church going from Genesis to Revelation, the whole counsel of God. God calls us to stand in his counsel, in his words. That's when we change. Imagine a church going from Genesis to Revelation together, reading the scripture together, and then small groups are talking about it. And we're also gonna challenge that you will start a D group, that you'll be in a D group in the fall. So imagine in a D group now, where you're getting into the word of God, you're accountable for it, you're praying for the lost, you're going for it, and you're doing what's called a hear entry journal, where you begin to hear God and become discipled in his word. What would it be like? How would it change our church when we're all in the word, moving towards the same goal? And it's coinciding with the sermon series and reading plan. Just an idea. What about small groups? I'm gonna say this, and I want you to listen closely to these words. Small groups in your homes... Did you hear that? In your homes are not optional, but essential. Now my mom's gonna kill me because her small group meets up here at the church and that's fine. But here's the reason. Why? Because we want to be the church in neighborhoods and in our communities. We want small groups to own living sent together, but we need more groups. Now I'm gonna use this word. So we need to plant at least five to 10 new small groups in the fall. Why did I say plant? Because come fall, we need some of you to come out of your small group. We have so many potential leaders, so many powerful leaders that are all clustered together. And we have people in our church that are not a part of the core that want to be in a small group. But our leaders are all together. And remember, disciples are always going out. They're always replicating themselves. They're Jesus' pattern. We need some of you to bust out of there and start leading a small group. Here's the other thing. Jeremiah 29, 7 says, pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. Two words in there, pray and pursue. 
We want small groups to pray and pursue the communities and neighbors around you where you live and work with. We want small groups to be praying and pursuing people they know so they'll share Jesus with them. So what we're going to do is a symbol of that for all small group leaders. We're going to get a chair that has a TBA logo. It says, pray and pursue. So every time you start small group, you've got that empty chair. and said, at the end of group, you're saying, that's who I'm praying for. Will you pray with me? What can we do to reach our neighborhood? What can we do to reach our community? How can we invite somebody in and pray and pursue them? It's just a symbol, but it's a powerful symbol of coming together. So your small group, whoever's hosting it, whoever's leading it, we begin to pray for those and pursue them. But to do this, we need people who will step out of their small group and plant new small groups in the fall. Speaking of prayer, and I love this word, We need a robust prayer ministry. I I had fun saying that in the first service. Robust. We need a robust prayer ministry. I want to challenge you to to come in between services and begin praying with us. You don't have to be there every Sunday, but I want to tell you this. If you start coming in between services on Sunday or to our men's group praying on, on Wednesday mornings or our women's group on Thursdays, you're going to see something. You're going to see our pastors and our directors modeling our commitment to prayer. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a second. But listen, we're not going very far if we're not praying. We're not going very far with this. If we're trying to do it in our own strength, it's gonna fail, it's gonna flop, it's gonna hit the ground. But when we're praying and seeking God's face, God can do the impossible. How about Highland City? How do we further impact Highland City? I wanna share with you what we wanna start a Highland City initiative. I want you guys to begin praying about how to walk forward in Highland City, especially at our family gatherings. Lord, what do you want for Highland City? How do you want to get the gospel to each person in Highland City? Here's just some possibilities. These are just things that uh, we're dreaming about, but I know God's body is going to come together with synergy. We're going to start to say, I think the Holy Spirit's saying this, but, but look at what it says, a Jesus film, Celebrate Recovery. In March, we're, we're starting Celebrate Recovery in Highland City. But I want you to know something about Celebrate Recovery. It's for our church first. It provides freedom for people with hurts, hangups, and habits. And it's powerful. And God's going to change our community. He's going to change Highland City. But there's other possibilities. A, a bus ministry. Um, a school day where we're mulching and cleaning stuff and painting houses in the community, prayer walks. Jack Weekly's doing the whole community barbecue. At least I hope I've said something like that. He's not in yes, so that's good. But he's doing it alone. He can't do it alone. He needs the body of Christ around him. Jen, Germany has amazing ideas for a fruit and veggie stand with canned food and vouchers. What about a sidewalk Sunday school? What about a once a time month service established in that community? And I love this. Our youth group is going to be doing their camp here at home at this church this summer and we're the youth are going to do a vacation bible school in island city man there's so much potential where are the workers the workers are few pray to the lord of the harvest how do we partner impact honduras listen one of the reasons why we found this church is because it was similar in vision to us that sold us because we're like, what is God saying? We're trying to figure it out. And we heard Pastor Medardo's vision that he wanted to be in the community. And one of his ideas, something he's dreamt about, something that's not going to be easy, some things that we've looked into, it's not going to be easy, but he wants to purchase a place where 
there's a soccer field or a community center because so many of the soccer fields there, the gangs control or just ruffians. I wanted to say ruffians from stage. Or the ruffians are, but he wants this place. He, and it may not even be that, but how do we get behind our pastor in Honduras and say, man, what has God put on your heart? We're all in. We're gonna do this in the next three to five years. How do we purchase this? How do we help him? How do we build it? And I love this last one. I actually love all these. But this is something, man, God has been putting on my heart. This is the thing that I believe our church needs to step into, that we're praying about. It's not set in stone. It's something we're praying about. But how do we become a world mission strategy center? I know that's a big mouthful. But how does a tiny church rock the world? I want you to be praying about something and dreaming with me. You see, I believe close to the Lord's heart are the unreached people groups of the world. Man, I think when God looks out and he sees people who have never heard the gospel, do not own a Bible, that his heart is beating. Where are my people? Where are they? Where are they at? Where are my workers? Where are my disciples going out into all the world? I want you to look at this photo. This is from Washington, D.C. This is at the Bible Museum in D.C. I want you just to look at this for a second. I know it's small. I know it's hard to see. But I want you to look at the left and right. And it looks like bookshelves, right? And if you can kind of see, it's hard to tell, but those are all red. On the left and right, you look at, at the red. Those are all people groups who have had some touch of the gospel. Maybe the, the gospel of Mark was translated into their, their native tongue. Or maybe it's blooming there. Maybe the gospel's growing. But these are people who have been reached with the gospel. Now I want you to do something. I want you to look at that screen and look at the yellow. Individual yellow books all around there. That represents people who have never, never heard about Jesus, the name of Jesus. They don't have the Bible. They don't have a single gospel translated into their language. They don't have any missionaries going to them. They don't know God. Look at that, that breaks God's heart. His heartbeat is for the world. Look at that. So this is what I wanna say. And this is, there's other church doing this. I got this from David Platt. Some cool things that he's doing. Maybe this is something God's stirring in us. What if? We chose one of those people groups that has never heard the gospel and we fully fund the translation of the gospel of Mark in their language. And eventually we send a team to do missions there like we do in Honduras. So if the body confirms through prayer, I hope that we'll identify an unreached people group, help fund the translation, help fund the publication of it, and then partner to send a mission team that will go so people can hear the name of Jesus for the first time. So that a people group who has never heard the word of God and is unreached, never had their Bible in their entire history will be touched for all eternity. I believe this little church can do that. I believe God is calling us to go into all the world. Could you imagine living without the word? We take the word of God We don't take it seriously. We take it for granted. Can you imagine growing up, never hearing the name of Jesus or seeing a Bible in your life? God's called us. Okay, so that's our world. What about our community? For a long time, we've wanted to to plant a church on the north side called TBA North. Or what about a missional church in Highland City that we could plant? 
church planting is still the primary way of reaching the lost in North America. And part of our DNA here, our roots, our church planting, they go back to church planting. Man, I'm only scratching the surface. I'm saying, what if? Let's dream. Let's get in this family gathering together for those of you who will sign a family covenant to say we will live in Koinonia and we'll carry out God's vision for this church. We will reach the world for God, for Christ. I want to invite you to start dreaming, to start seeing what God's stirring in his people because God will confirm it in the, in the body of Christ. I know some of you might be saying, listen, Brian, that's the work of a church of 1,000 or 2,000, not a church of 450, not a church of 500. There's no way we can be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus to our community and our world that way. Listen, Jesus said, pray for the workers, don't wait for the workers. See, we always get that backwards. We should pray that Jesus would increase our numbers as we go and do his kingdom work. Jesus wouldn't say, hey, sorry, there's no workers. I want you to kick back in your sofa and watch a movie. Uh, We'll figure it out. He says, go. Pray for the workers. The harvest is ready. People all over the world are ready. It's ripe. They're ready for Jesus. They're ready to have his name proclaimed to them. God wants to move. As we're going, we pray. You see, we start doing the work of a thousand or two thousand, and maybe God, who knows, maybe God will make us a church of a thousand or two thousand as we step out in faith. But listen, even if He doesn't grow us into that, for you who went through experiencing God, remember what God did through a tiny Canadian church to touch the world all over North America and all around the world. More than a thousand churches planted, many reached for Christ. God can use us at TVA. God can do this. But where are the workers? Pray for the workers. The workers need to step up. Discipleship needs to happen. Disciples who are making other disciples. And here's the other problem. We're overwhelmed by the impossibility and the bigness of the harvest. And we feel like we can't do it. But our eyes are open to the Lord of the harvest who is able to do the impossible through his workers. God is able. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray for eyes that see like Jesus. That's why he directed us to pray. Okay, so God always works through people. Remember we said that? Together. And he always works through prayer. Listen, there's an overwhelming task ahead of us. We need a robust prayer ministry. Listen, if you dropped an early church in on our church right now, or any of these churches, they would think it's strange that prayer is not the priority. In fact, in our culture, prayer is the last thing we do, and it's usually short and sweet. And most people are scared to do it. They would be like, what's happening? This is not a guilt thing. I'm just saying this would be so foreign. Church would be blow their minds. This is a church? Where are the prayers? Who's praying? So I want to show you the power of prayer in Acts 12 as we begin to wrap it up. I love this story. Man, I love the Bible. I love the events in the Bible because they're so crazy sometimes. You're like, is this real? And it's real. And you're like, man, this is so true to life. So listen to this. I love this. Acts 12. And this part's not, this is actually serious as I get into this. It was the last night of Passover week. And Peter, the apostle, was in prison and chained between two Roman soldiers. Now, how would you like that? You're in prison and two hairy big old Roman soldiers are right before you trying to take a snooze. You know, I love this. So they're right in between him. But this was to be Peter's last night on the earth. 
for in the morning he would be executed as James had been a few days earlier. And if you know this story, I love this part. An angel comes and strikes Peter on the side. I don't know if this angel's been hanging out with Brian Lay or what. Some of you know what it's like to get slapped all the time. I'm like, who is this angel? I can see it now, like God's in heaven. He's like, hey, could you just gently go and, and tap Peter? And he's like, yeah. And he goes out and he's like slapping him like Brian Lay. I don't, I don't know what happens here. But I love, I love the angel strikes Peter on the side. And then the chains fall off. And the soldiers keep sleeping. Doors are open and Peter realizes, hey, this isn't a vision, I'm free. And it goes into what it says in verse 12. It says, when it dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. Listen, what does it say? Where many people had gathered and were what? Praying. So I love it. This is the best part of the story. He knocks on the door. He's like, and then the servant girl comes over and she doesn't even open the door because she can hear Peter's voice. And she gets so excited. She's like, man, Peter, Peter's back. Peter's out of prison. This is so amazing. And he, she runs back into the house that are praying. And like, Peter's here. He's alive. He's out of prison. This is so amazing. And they're like, whatever. We don't believe you. And all the while, Peter's still rapping on the door. Like, oh, excuse me. I, I kind of need to come in because there's probably Roman soldiers looking for me and it'd be nice to come in. I love this. I love this event. And they're knocking on the door. But the scripture is careful. This is what I want you to hear this morning. Before it even gets to all the story, it tells us that Peter's in prison. But the first thing that Luke, the writer of Acts, wants to tell us is this. He's very careful to preface the story of Peter's deliverance with the following statement in Acts (coughs) 12.5. Excuse me. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was what? Before anything, the story. Before we get to the story, what does it say? But the church was what? Earnestly, perseveringly, with everything in them, were praying to God for who? Peter. The church was praying for him. This statement is very significant. Luke is trying to show us that this miraculous deliverance deliverance to follow would be a direct result of their fervent and persistent prayers that were offered by the other believers. See, the Bible says, here we go, catch this. The Bible says that suddenly a light from heaven illuminated the prison. An angel of the Lord appeared in his cell. The angel smacked Peter on the side and says, get up quickly. An interesting fact is found in Acts 12, 7. It tells us that Peter's chains fell off his hands. Notice it doesn't say the angel broke the chains off Peter's hands, but simply they fell off. The angel said to Peter, put on your clothes and follow me. And they walked past the first set of guards who didn't notice him. They walked past the second set of guards who seemed oblivious. And then they go to this huge iron gate that keeps the good people from the bad people and the bad people from the good people. And it opens up. Listen to what it says in the scripture. It says it opens up of its own volition. It just opens up. All this happens when they reach the gate. Only then did the angel vanish And suddenly Peter realized, it's not a vision. This is happening. And in this story, this is what you've got to catch. In this story, every obstacle, every barrier, every obstruction is completely useless to keep Peter from freedom. And here's my point as we wrap it up. Although this mighty angel is sent to escort Peter out to prison, the angel doesn't touch the chains. The angel doesn't do anything to the guards or the doors. They're impacted by an invisible hand. And we see very clearly whose invisible hand or hands those are in verse five. 
It was the prayers of the church that caused all that to happen. The church was earnestly praying to God for him so he could go out and evangelize, so they could go out and make disciples. You see, the prayers of believers were the power that loosed the chains, removed every stronghold and roadblock, and opened even the most impenetrable and impossible doors. And this is how it sums up the whole chapter. I love this. Herod dies after this. And Herod's the one that killed James and put Peter in prison. And it says all this happened and they were praying and they were praying earnestly. Listen to what it says. Listen, I love this. Acts 12, 24, but the word of God, the word of God continued to increase and spread. That's what God's called us to. The increase of his word that goes out and spreads when his disciples are making other disciples and going to all the world. Why? Because they prayed together. Do not underestimate the power of prayer for the mission. The mission is fueled by the prayers of God's people. We must pray. We must pray. We must be a church that goes out with the heartbeat of God and says, here is our God. Here is salvation. It's alone in the name of Jesus. That's our God. Have you ever thought how powerful our prayers are together? How have you ever thought about when you pray to the Lord of the harvest and you need to be praying that he sends workers all over this world? But have you ever thought when you pray to the Lord of the harvest, you're the answer? You're the worker? You're the disciple? Not the person next to you, you. You are it. You're God's plan to go into all the world and reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church can only have impact all over this world and all over our community, but we need workers. We need disciples who are making other disciples and going. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you that you put a big vision and mission before us. Father, I thank you that we can't do anything in our own strength, God. You're our God. You're the one that's given us your spirit, Father, that empowers us to do ministry, Father. I pray, God, that you would empower us to do your work in your ministry. God, that you would stir in our congregation your heartbeat, Father. You're the God of compassion. You're the God of love who goes and surrenders yourself. That's your act of love, is to fully surrender yourself on the cross. And you call us to do the same, to pick up our crosses daily and follow you, to surrender ourselves and to live a life of spiritual death so that you can live in us, God. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of that wall of all yellow, of those unreached people, God. Stir our hearts, Lord. Help us to believe that this tiny church, this tiny local church can do great things for all eternity in your world, Father. And this is your world. And God, your kingdom will spread. And Lord, I pray for heavy conviction, heavy conviction, Holy Spirit, that God, we would not escape, that we need to be your disciples, making other disciples, that we need to grow in your word that is alive and active in us, God, that we need to hide your word in our heart, that it says your word is like a fire. Let it burn within us. Let it burn within this church, Father. Let us be a church that goes. Father, let us be a church that says, if there's none behind me, still I'll follow you, Jesus, into all the world. Still I'll go, but I'm praying, God, the disciples would surrender their lives and workers would stand up in your name, Jesus, and go. Father, we don't want blood on our hands. 
You've called us to reach people for Christ. God, help us to be obedient. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Just a second as the music's going, and I'm gonna ask you to stand up at any point. If today you just need prayer, you can go to Next Steps. I'm gonna be there, Jen, Tim, and Joni are gonna be there. We wanna pray with you. Maybe some of you are like, listen, I can't go right now because I've got stuff in my life. You need to go over there and pray with us. See, God has this great word. It's, it's the most amazing word, word in the world. It's called repentance. And the Bible says in Romans, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. This is what it means. God wants the relationship to happen again. And there's some of you that walked away. There's some of you that maybe you just got lethargic. Maybe your mind is just kind of like consumed by the world and the, the heartbeat of God is not in you. And you're like, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me that heartbeat that beats like yours, God, that sees the crowd with compassion, Father, that sees the potential in every person that be your disciple. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to go back and pray. Maybe you need to come up here and bow and say, God, I'm committed. I'm in. I'm doing this thing. I don't care if anybody's with me. I'm doing it. But maybe you're just hurting today. You need to come over and pray. At any point, as we're singing the next couple songs, you come out, you walk out, you go pray. And here's the deal. I don't want to assume that everybody in here knows Jesus. Listen, we're not trying to do good work here. We're trying to do God work. There's a huge difference, and you have to be a part of his kingdom. You have to be born again. You need a new life. Your old life is born into sin, and it can never be right before God. But Jesus died on the cross that we can have new life, that his spirit can move in, that we can have a born-again spirit, that we can actually worship him in spirit and truth, that we can serve him. See, there's some of you, you can't do kingdom work until you're in the kingdom, and you don't know Jesus. If, you don't, if that's you, don't delay you need to step out and go back to next steps. We want to pray with you. There's no shame in it. There may be some people in here, you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe two to three months in the past four months, you've come to church. And you're like, I don't know Jesus. I'm not into the kingdom. I, I need that new life. Jesus died to give you that new life because you couldn't be perfect or do anything good. All our good works were nothing before him. Only Jesus lived a perfect life and surrendered himself on the cross for you. Naked on a cross for you. If that's you, you need to come out and over to Next Steps. We want to pray a prayer of salvation for you. And there's some of you, just be committed. Get back to that place where you say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. It's all about this. It's all about you. See, there's a lot of good things in life that are happening, right? But everything needs to be centered on the gospel. Everything. Our parenting, our marriages, our lives, our work, it's all gospel-centered. And maybe you need to come back to that today. Let me just pray, pray quickly. God, we thank you that you are the Lord of the harvest, Lord Jesus. We thank you that, God, you see the potential in the world. You see the potential out there. Your heart beats for it, God. Let our hearts beat for it too. But God, I pray for those who don't know you today. They would come in a relationship with you. And I pray for those who've lost their passion. Thank you that it's not based on feelings, but on faith. You've called us to a life of faith, not feeling. And we will walk by faith and not by sight. God, we will believe impossible things can be done. Father, just as you said to Mary and Martha with Lazarus, that Jesus, you waited four days. And then Mary says, I know that you could have, you could have raised my, my brother in the past. See, we're so able to believe that God, you're the God that does stuff in the past. And then it goes on, and, and Lord, you remember your words to Mary and Martha. And she says, I know one day everybody will be raised. You're like, no, 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 you don't get it. If you'll only believe 
you'll see the glory of God right now. Not in the past, not in the future. We'll see those. We know those. Right now, TBA, Father, call TBA out in this, that we believe, that we would only believe and we would see your glory, God. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand and let's worship our God in spirit and truth.